Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Bhuta Isha Satya Swayam Jyotiraja Purana Date Syajanma Jyajayatma Shaktya the entire cosmic manifestation is the body of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Absolute Truth, who has millions of names and unlimited potencies. He is self-effulgent, unborn and changeless. He is the beginning of everything, but he has no beginning. Because he has created this cosmic manifestation by his external energy, the universe appears to be created, maintained, and annihilated by him. Nonetheless, he remains inactive in his spiritual energy and is untouched by the activities of the material energy. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says in his Shikshastaka, Nam Namakari Bahudanija Sarava Shakti. The Supreme Personality of Godhead has many names which are all non-different from the Supreme Person. This is spiritual existence. By chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, consisting of the names of the Supreme Lord, we find that the name has all the potencies of the person. The Lord's activities are many, and according to his activity, he has many names. He appeared as the son of Mother Jashoda, and also as the son of Mother Devaki, and therefore he is named Devaki Nandan and Yashoda Nandan. Parashya Shaktira Vivadaiva Sruyate, the Lord has a multitude of energies and therefore he acts in multifarious ways. Yet he has a particular name. <coughs> the Shastras recommend which names we should chant, such as Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. It is not that we have to search for some name or manufacture one. Rather, we must follow the saintly persons in the Shastras in chanting his holy name. Although the material and spiritual energies both belong to the Lord, he is impossible to understand as long as we are in the material energy. And when we come to the spiritual energy, he is very easy to know. As stated in Srimad Bhagavatam, Mayam Vyudasya Chikchakya, Although the external energy belongs to the Lord, when one is in the external energy, he is very difficult to understand. However, when one comes to the spiritual energy, one can understand him. Therefore, in Bhagavad Gita it is said, One who wants to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead in reality, must take to the platform of bhakti or Krishna consciousness. This bhakti consists of various activities. Shravanam kirtanam vishno smaranam bhadasevanam archanam bandhanam dasyam sakyam atmanivedanam. And to understand the Lord, one must take to this path of devotional service. Even though the people of the world have forgotten God and may say that God is dead, this is not a fact. We can understand God when we take to Krishna consciousness.
and thus one can be happy. The entire cosmic manifestation is the body of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Absolute Truth, who has millions of names and unlimited potencies. He is self-effulgent, unborn, and changeless. He is the beginning of everything, but he has no beginning. Because he has created this cosmic manifestation by his external energy, the universe appears to be created, maintained, and annihilated by him. Nonetheless, he remains inactive in his spiritual energy and is untouched by the activities of the material energy. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Absolute Truth, cannot be understood with our present material sense perception. Indeed, matter can only perceive matter. Sometimes people challenge, can you show me God? Yes, God can be seen. But God can only be seen when we see through the eyes of scripture. This means by hearing the glories of the Lord, by hearing of how he reveals himself, and by hearing the instructions of the great saints who are teaching us how to purify our life, then our senses become purified. And with those purified senses, yes, we can perceive God everywhere and in everything. The Brahma Samhita explains to us, uh, that when one's eyes are divinely decorated with the ointment of bhakti, then we can perceive the beautiful form of God. Atasri Krishna Navari Nabave Graham Indrayai Seva Mukehi Jivaro Swayam Eva That when our senses become spiritualized by engaging Him in the process of devotional service, then we can experience God. We are factually experiencing God everywhere because God is in everything. There is no question of ever being apart from the Supreme Lord. This material energy is his divine energy, as he explains in the Gita. And therefore, we are experiencing Krishna at every moment. But we cannot perceive the essence of our surroundings, which is Krishna, until we find the essence of our own self. As long as you have a superficial conception of who you are, your perception of all the world is superficial. As long as you have an illusory understanding of your own identity, then everything you perceive is based on an illusion. So therefore, reality begins with knowing oneself. When we understand the self as separate from this body, 
when we understand that we are part and parcel of Krishna, then we will perceive the presence of Krishna everywhere and in everything. Now, it is a very simple process of how to, under, of how to realize that we are part and parcel of Krishna. We simply have to act according to our dharma, sanatana dharma. Sanatana dharma means that our constitutional position as Krishna's parts are to eternally serve him. And through that service, spiritual awakening takes place. Sarvopadiva nirmuktam tatparatvena nirmalam harishikena harishikesha sevanam bhaktir uchate. This means that by serving the Supreme Personality of Godhead with our present senses, our senses become purified. And with purified senses, uh, then experiencing God is as effortless as perceiving light in the middle of the day. If you are outside in the noonday sun, is it difficult to find the light? The light is everywhere, it is all around you. But for those who are rebellious against the desire of the Lord, they become contaminated by illusion and they enter into an abode of darkness. That darkness comes about when we close our eyes. Even if you're in the middle of the noonday sun, if you close your eyes, you cannot see any light. All you see is darkness. So Krishna consciousness is very simple. It means to open your eyes. It means to open your eyes to the reality that's all around you. And the process of opening our eyes is Krishna consciousness. Learning how to engage our natural inclinations in the loving service of the Supreme Lord, who has many, many names and inconceivable potencies. This is the most simple and most direct process of self-realization. Sometimes it is said that the ends are the means in Krishna consciousness. We are serving the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And what is the goal of this service? The goal of this service is pure devotional service. More service. Sometimes the neophyte devotee is thinking that why I have so much service? When will I be able to get done with my service? But such a person, he should be warned that the result of making advancement in devotional service is more service, never less service. To the degree you become advanced, to that degree Krishna gives you more service and you want more service, more quantity as well as more quality. So there's no question of wanting to avoid devotional service. There's no question of wanting to finish with our devotional service. That means you want to leave the path of bhakti. 
This is the idea of the impersonal class of philosophers. They will engage in the service of the Lord, but their idea is let me get it done with, then I never have to serve again. Then I'm liberated. Their idea of liberation is not only that they never have to suffer the pangs of birth and death, but also that they never have to serve anymore. But a devotee, because he understands the principle of spiritual love, he never wants to stop serving. He wants more and more and more and more service. And he wants his heart to grow in such a way that he has a capacity to do more and more and more service. Just like Srila Rupa Goswami, he explains that when I chant the name of Krishna, my tongue desires, I desire to have millions of tongues. Because to serve Krishna by chanting his name with only one tongue is not enough. I want to chant millions of names at a time, billions and trillions. There's no limit to how many times I want to chant at every moment the name of Krishna. And some of us were thinking, when will I get my rounds done? Huh? When will I be able to finish all this chanting of Hare Krishna and go on to, my, to something that I like to do? Huh? We're wishing like this. But Rupa Goswami is wishing that he had millions of tongues because he just has such an attraction for the chanting of the holy name, for serving the Lord through this process, that he just has an infinite desire to serve Krishna more and more and more and more and more by chanting his name. During Srimad Bhagavatam, <clears throat> sometimes we're looking at the clock thinking, I hope that class is done on time today because, my God, I have to sit here and hear Srimad Bhagavatam. But Rupa Goswami is saying uh, that when the name of God enters into my ears, I desire to have millions and millions and millions of ears. Because by serving the Lord, by hearing His glories and hearing His name, it is not that we want the great souls, it is not that they want to ever have it get over with, but at every moment they want to hear just every page of the Bhagavatam. They want to hear every class. They want to hear everything now. They have such an anxiety to hear more and more and more, to serve the Lord. Understand that the process of hearing is devotional service. Some of us are thinking that, yes, I, I know the philosophy. I've heard it before. But factually, you have to understand that hearing is an act of service for the pleasure of the Lord. It is not simply something, whether you like it or not, that's not even a consideration. Whether you like who's talking or not should not even be a consideration. The Srimad Bhagavatam states, Srinvatam Sukata Krishna Pundya Sravana Kiritana Hridyantasto Hibhadarani Vidhonoti Suhritsatam. 
This means by hearing the glories of the Lord and taking pleasure in hearing. That is the greatest pleasure given to Krishna within your heart. When he sees that you relish hearing his message, he is so satisfied that from within he delivers you from all ignorance. He dispels all darkness. So in other words, we are listening to Srimad Bhagavatam primarily because it pleases Krishna, because it is a service to our spiritual master. Nastaprayeshya bhadreshu nityam bhagavate sevaya bhagavati uttama sloke bhaktir bhavati naishtaki. It is said that this is the order of God, Vedavyas. Srila Sutta Goswami, that by hearing Srimad Bhagavatam regularly every day, then all inauspicious anarthas, all inauspicious desires within our hearts are removed. And we can understand the Supreme Lord within our heart as an irrevocable fact. So it is the order of Krishna and it is the order of Guru to attentively hear the holy name to attentively hear the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. And therefore, we accept it as a service. It is not a question of, I like it, or I'm enthusiastic about it, or I'm inspired by it. You may or may not be. But understand, what is the real inspiration that you will derive from hearing and chanting? The real inspiration will come when you perform the activity as a service to the Guru and a service to Krishna. Inspiration in Krishna consciousness does not mean doing activities that are fun to do. Some people, they become very inspired by doing things that they consider enjoyable. Oh yes, I'm very inspired by doing this because I like it so much. But that is not the real inspiration that we are looking for. The real inspiration comes through the process of surrender. Come, even if you hate to do something, if you perform that activity for the service of the Lord and for the service of His devotees, through that process, inspiration comes which is on the spiritual platform. So Rupa Goswami is praying, Krishna, when I chant your names, I want millions of names. I want to chant more and more and more. He never wants his rounds to end. He says, Krishna, when I hear your names and glories, I want millions and millions and millions of years. He never wants the Bhagavatam class to end. And when the holy name enters into my heart, because of this anticipation and eagerness to hear the name, to chant the name. You see, this sloka is step by step. When we have such eagerness to chant and such eagerness to hear the Lord's name, then what is the result? Then when that name enters your heart, it conquers your heart. It defeats all your material desires. It vanquishes all your illusions. and you become indifferent to material life. You experience the higher taste. 
The result of devotional service is devotional service. It was asked to Srila Prabhupada, what do you expect to get out of all of this chanting of Hare Krishna? What is the end result? And Srila Prabhupada's reply was to chant Hare Krishna. Ah, now for a materialist, that's not what they like to hear. You get something done so you can get something else, right? It's like if someone works hard, you ask him, what do you expect to get out of this hard work? He will say, I will get a lot of money and I will get a very famous position in society. Huh? How many people will say when you ask, what do you get out of all this hard labor? He says, more hard labor. But Krishna consciousness, what we expect to get out of hard labor is more hard labor. This is the principle in which Nubrandavan was built upon. First you chant Hare Krishna, then you work hard. Then you chant Hare Krishna. This is Prabhupada's order. When Srila Prabhupada came to Nubrandavan in 1968, he said, this is a very beautiful, peaceful place in the country. He said, I know the nature of the young people of your America. He said, they are, there are so many hippies. They will want to come here simply to relax. Nubrindavan is not Aishwarya. It is not in the mood of grandeur. It is not in the mood of majestic kingship. But the opulence of Vrindavan is Madhurya Ras. Madhurya means in its sweetness. In the spontaneousness of the love that takes place there. Not only between Krishna and the gopis and the gopas, between Krishna and everything that exists in Vrindavan. In Vrindavan, everything is conscious not only conscious, but pure, full consciousness. There is no such thing as matter, inanimate, dead substance in Vrindavan. Everything is vibrant, alive. Everything is fully conscious. Conscious of ecstatic loving service to Sri Krishna. And in Vrindavan, everything and everyone that exists, there is no envy or jealousy. Because Krishna is expanding his love in such a way that everything is fully satisfied with its relationship with Krishna. Each tree, even huh, the wall, the floor, the ground, the flower, the boat that Krishna goes on Jamuna with. Everything in Vrindavan, even the decorations on the cowherd boys, they are all fully conscious, liberated beings 
taking that divine form simply to give pleasure to Krishna. And Krishna personally shows so much love, like the radiant sun, the sun's shine. It fully manifests itself everywhere and on everyone. So similarly, Krishna's love is so special that even what we would consider the most insignificant piece of matter that is on the ground, Krishna is showing its love toward that in such an ecstatic way that that being is thinking, Krishna loves me. Krishna has given me such a special, special service to assist his divine Leela with Sri Radharani. Vrindavaneshwari. It is this sweetness that is the opulence of Vrindavan. And this Madhurya Ras of Vrindavan, it is completely beyond the jurisdiction of material limitations. There are five rasas, primary rasas, and seven secondary rasas. The five primary rasas are santaras, which means that of neutrality, dasyaras, that of servitorship, sakyaras, that of equals, friendship, vatsalyaras, that of a superior parent, and madhuryaras, that of conjugal lover. In the other Vaikuntha planets and in the other incarnations of Lord Sri Krishna, we find santaras and dasyaras, and we find semblances sometimes of Sakyaras and Vatsalyaras, but they are not pure like in Vrindavan. For instance, Kosalya and Dasarat, they certainly have a Vatsalyaras relationship with Sri Ram. They are parents. But still, they are thinking Ram to be the great king. Even from his birth, they were seeing him as the great, powerful, majestic prince. Therefore, there was reverence. There was this bhav of Aishwarya. And therefore, according to the standards of Vrindavan, that Vatsalya Ras was not completely free and pure. Mother Jashoda and Nanda Maharaj they had no conception that Krishna was great. They simply loved him as a parent. Similarly, Lakshman and Bharat, they certainly had some sense of Sakiras with Ram. But it was always with amount of great respect and reverence for his majestic existence. But the Gopas, they didn't consider Krishna was a great person. They just loved him because he was Krishna, unconditionally. 
So therefore, in Vrindavan, all the five primary rasas are integrated with the mood of Madhurya Ras. This, this feeling of conjugal love permeates all the rasas of Brajbhumi. And therefore it is Madhurya Dham. It is the abode of the ultimate full manifestation of the sweetness of bhakti. And Srimati Radharani, she is the bhakti rupa. She is the uh, source, the personification from whom all this madhurya bhakti is emanating. And therefore she is Vrindavaneshwari. She is the queen of Vrindavan. But she is not queen like Lakshmi is the queen of Vaikuntha. Lakshmi being queen of Vaikuntha means she sits on throne and everyone recognizes you are our master. But in the supreme original form of Lakshmi, in the form of Sri Radhika, she is the queen of Vrindavan in the sense that by her infinite love for Shamsundar the in, and the sweetness of that love, the whole of Rajbhumi is simply permeated and, and completely influenced by that love. And ultimately everyone is, is, is serving Krishna according to their ras under the divine potency of Sri Radharani's love. Madhurya Dham. Krishna and Sri Radharani when they appeared on this earth they brought the Madhurya Ras of Goloka along with them simply to attract the mind of all creation to the original pleasure of divine love. Therefore for a devotee <coughs> who has the blessings <coughs> of the previous Acharyas they do not in any way, even for a second, doubt the inconceivable pastimes of Vrindavan. But they accept with a faithful heart and relish the unlimited potency of Krishna's love. The gopis when they would close their eyes at the time of blinking, which is necessary. You cannot help blinking. It is the nature of the eyes that every now and then they need moisture. <clears throat> so, Krishna, so Lord Brahma has created the eyes in such a way that they blink. How many times we blink a day? And I'm sure none of us 
even once a day notice that you have blinked. I doubt if anybody has even, scientists with all of their studies, they probably have never analyzed how many times a human being blinks their eyes every day. Because it's considered something that nobody ever notices, it's so insignificant. I'm looking at all of you, every few seconds you're blinking. You don't even know you're blinking. I don't even know I'm blinking, but we're blinking. The eyes are going like this. But it's such a, such a fast time. You cannot even calculate it with time. It's not a second. It's not even a fraction of a second. But the gopis, their love for Krishna was so deep and so pure that every time they blinked their eyes, they would be completely devastated in the agony of separation from not seeing Krishna. And they would, they would chastise Lord Brahma for being a useless creator. That why he created eyes that blink, that interfere with our beholding the infinite beauty of Shamsundar. is the power of the gopi's love. This is supreme power. This is madhurya power, not aishwarya power, the power of love. And Krishna, who is within the heart of each gopi, he is giving them this divine realization. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained in the mood of the gopis, Yugayatam Nameshena Chakshusha Prabrashayatam Sunyayatam Jagat Saravam Govinda Virahename. That bereft of the sight of Govinda, even a moment seems like 12 years or more. And during that moment, the whole universe appears like a dreary void bereft of the sight of Govinda. So Krishna, he could make a moment 12 years or more to increase the gopis' feelings of love. There are two ways in in two principal forms in which Krishna um, performs his loving Leela with his devotees, Sambhoga and Vipralamba, in meeting and in separation. So we hear when the gopis would blink their eyes. Krishna would increase their love and separation by making that blink seem like years and years and years of not seeing Krishna. He condenses years into one blink to increase their love and separation. Sunyayatam jagat sarvam govinda virahename. But here the gopis are meeting with Krishna. 
after separation, they are meeting, doing Ras dance. And Krishna wants to increase the ecstasy, not only of their separation, of their meeting. So by his in inconceivable potency, they had one night to enjoy with Krishna. Krishna planned to send them home the next morning. So Krishna condensed an entire night of Brahma, billions of years, into that 12 hours. Just so the Braj Gopis could enjoy the ecstasy of their bhava of love with Krishna to their heart's content. But Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur is explaining here that when it was the time of dawn was approaching, the sun was about to rise. Krishna who is Vasudev, the presiding deity of everyone's consciousness. He told the gopis that whatever our leela may be, you must keep it secret. No one is to know. And then he invested within their hearts a feeling of embarrassment and fear that we've been out all night long and our fathers and our elder brothers and some of our husbands they will be very much angry with us maybe we should go home <laughs> and therefore when Krishna told them that you must go home they very graciously complied with his orders. In the loving pastimes of Sri Krishna, from within and without, Krishna is making every possible arrangement simply to satisfy his devotees. And his devotees from within and without are making every, every possible arrangement to satisfy Krishna. Each devotee, the gopis, when they were asked for the dust of Krishna's of their feet to put on Krishna's head to relieve him of their headache, they immediately began to scrape the dust from their feet. And they were asked, why? Do you not know that even the demigods, they wouldn't dare to put the dust of their feet on Krishna's head? Even the greatest rishis and yogis, knowing that to commit this offense you will go to hell? The gopis' reply was, we know that Krishna's headache will not last very long, whether we put the dust of our feet on his head or not. But if by putting the dust of our feet on Krishna's head relieves his headache even for a second, we are willing to go to hell for the rest of eternity just to give Krishna one second of pleasure.
This is the quality of the love of the Brijbasis. That from, from within and without, their whole life is simply dedicated to assisting the wonderful pleasurable pastimes between Radha and Krishna. And Krishna and Sri Radharani, their Leela is to orchestrate everything within the spiritual world, to make every possible arrangement from within the heart of the devotees to all of the external arrangements, simply to increase the pleasure of his devotees. And there is a great competition. Radha Krishna and all of their divine servants of Brajbhumi, they are always competing who can give more pleasure to the other. We read the story of Srila Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami. Sanatana Goswami was Rupa Goswami's guru. He was his elder brother. And when it was Sanatana's birthday, appearance day, Rupa Goswami was thinking, we should, I should have make some special offering for the pleasure of my Gurudev. Well, what do I have? I wish I could make some nice feast for my Gurudev. So he was thinking like this. Where do these thoughts arise? It is by the grace of Sri Radha and Krishna that all these thoughts of love come into our heart. And just as he was thinking like that, a small, beautiful, little cowherd boy, girl, little village girl, came with nice pots. Said, I have heard that it is your Gurudev's appearance day today. Well, here is some nice kheer that I have made. Please offer it to your Gurudev. And Rupa Goswami, he went and offered this wonderful pot of kheer to Sanatan. And they drank it together. And as they drank it, they just were just utterly engrossed in, in, in ecstatic feelings of love. They were crying. Their hairs were standing on end. They were rolling on the ground. They couldn't understand, what is this? Sanatan said, what type of bhakti did you put into this kheer? Where did you get it? You are a poor beggar. You are doing madukar. Nobody in Vrindavan gives you things like this. At the most you get some roti. He said, oh, a little village girl came and gave me this pot of kheer to offer you. Sanatan became very suspicious. What little girl is this? Describe. What did she look like? What did she say? When Rupa Goswami explained the characteristics of this little village girl, Sanatan became very angry at Rupa Goswami. He said, that was Sri Radharani. You have accepted service from Sri Radharani. This is a great offense. We are the servants. Our position is to sacrifice everything to assist her in her loving service to Sri Krishna. But we have transgressed all the principles 
of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings by accepting service from Srimati Radharani. And when Rupa Goswami heard that he accepted service from Sri Radhika, in, he began to weep and cry. They were both crying in shame. But of course, in the spiritual consciousness, shame, embarrassment, fear, it is all different varieties of ananda, ananda vrindavan of divine ecstasy. It is all created simply for the pleasure, pleasurable bhava of the devotees. So in this way we see in this beautiful story of Rupa and Sanatan how there's always the competition between Thakurji and his devotees. Sri Radharani, Shamsundar, they are always this consciousness, this abode, is the supreme goal and supreme destination of the soul. And by very sincerely, with great, great humility, following the regulative principles of Krishna consciousness, by hearing the glories of the Lord, by chanting his holy names with a strict vow of discipline, by becoming the servant of the servant, the obedient servant of the spiritual master, and his servants, we can achieve the grace of Krishna and be given entrance into this wonderful Lila. It cannot be taken cheaply. We cannot think that we can just go to Vrindavan and just enter into the ras of Krishna's love affairs. Vrindavan is not such a cheap place. It is a place that is attained after total surrender to the Lord. by obediently performing great, great sacrifices and taking all risks and enduring hardships in the service of the spiritual master by doing whatever he says and by chanting the holy name according to his direction and humbling one's ego to serve all the servants of the Lord this is how we achieve the purity of consciousness which brings us closer to eligibility to enter into the rasa Vrindavan. Some less fortunate people, they think, what is the need of guru instruction? It's, it's a hardship. It's a disturbance to perform all these austerities. Better I just go to Vrindavan and just wander through the groves and do what I want when I want, thinking of Krishna. Brujbhumi is not such a cheap place that you can just buy a ticket and live there. 
There are people begging here in Bombay. There are people begging in Vrindavan. Certainly it is fortunate to be a beggar in Vrindavan. But a real beggar is a person who begs for service, not who just begs for rotis. We are begging for the service to please the Lord. We do not go to Vrindavan to enjoy Vrindavan. We go to Vrindavan to be enjoyed by Radha and Krishna. And until we are in a completely purified, transcendental state of consciousness, the only way to be enjoyed by Radha and Krishna is to be enjoyed by the spiritual master who is their divine representatives. To approach Radharani and Sri Krishna's Leela directly is impossible for a conditioned soul. Only liberated souls can enter directly into that arena of love. Therefore it is said, Yasya Prasada Bhagavat Prasada Yasya Prasada Nagati Guto that by pleasing one's Gurudev, one pleases Krishna. Those who are born in Vrindavan, Vrijbhasis, our Guru Maharaj said, they may not even need a Guru. They are directly with Krishna. But those who are not, they should not try to imitate. They should not be bogus babas. Imitating Raghunath Das, Rupa and Sanatana Goswami when still material desires are, are contaminating one's heart. Better to be honest than to be where your guru wants you to be and to serve him. If he wants you in Bombay cleaning toilets, that is the path to Braja for you. That obedient service will attract the mercy of Krishna in your life. It will give you a real, true, tangible understanding of Brajbhumi. We do not want prestige, that I am a great saint, I am a great sadhu, I am performing so much tapasya, I am some chanting so many lakhs of names of God every day. This is not our aspiration. Krishna is not impressed whether you chant one, two, three, four, five, or ten lakhs of names a day. Nor is he impressed whether you eat one roti or whether you eat one grain of salt a day. He's not impressed whether you sleep on the ground or take cold baths. Mystic yogis can also perform these types of tapasyas. The only thing that impresses Krishna is the humility of the heart to be willing to be the servant of the servant of his servants. And when we chant, when it is the order of Gurudev that you chant this many names every day, minimum, and in a spirit of humility and service you follow that direction and chant, that is pleasing to Krishna. 
If the Guru wants you in Vrindavan, you live in Vrindavan and you serve him according to his direction. If he wants you in Rishikesh, if he wants you in Bombay, if he wants you in America, you should know that Vrindavan will be revealed to the heart of the person who is surrendered with humility. But if we think, I don't need Guru, I know myself what is good, or my Guru doesn't know what's best, then where is our humility? Then we are simply proud. And that proud heart, even if you're living right at Seva Kunj, if your heart is proud, you will see trees and you will see monkeys, but you will not see the abode of Krishna. Premanjana churita bhakti bilochanena. No doubt that, the, that there is no external and internal Vrindavan. Vrindavan is the divine abode of the Lord. But you cannot perceive it unless Sri Radharani and Lord Sri Krishna reveal it to you. And it is only revealed, as Pandaji was explaining yesterday, to one who has adopted the mood. Trinarapi suniche na tarorapi sahishnana amani namana dena kirtaniya sadahari. This is the process where we give dignity and value to Vrindavan Dham and to the path of bhakti. We should not take it cheaply. We should not take it whimsically. We should approach at the beginning with great care and attention and respect. And then, although it may be a gradual process, it is a process where step by step we are making progress in the path to Braja. Brajbhumi, that place where the inconceivable supreme power of Krishna is exclusively being enacted to give the highest pleasure and ecstasy to everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you.